brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, a local sports bar we just love. The ACO has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and they've filled that space with tables and huge TVs and hella good food and drink. It's big, it's comfortable, it's a great spot to watch the NFL, the NBA, and of course Warriors games with other fans while staying safe. It's not hyperbole to say that we are there every week, enjoying the grub, the vibes, the TVs every five feet, and of course this excellent Warriors season. You all already know the Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and we hope you'll join us there. In fact, if I see anybody at the ACO in a huddle shirt, you've got a beer on me. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring you all into our huddle. You are in. Me, Bram, no Marcus today, but with me per usual, my master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? I am fired up to announce that rejoining us after crazy long, a Castlemont graduate and town native who's been covering Bay Area sports since 1985, CSN Bay Area's foremost authority on the Golden State Warriors, and a guy who believes in Jordan Poole's first step as much as I do. Mr. Monte Poole, what's going on, Monte? What's up, Ram? I, I gotta, t- I gotta correct you though. You know, we, we, we're no longer CSN, and we haven't been for like four years. You bastard. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and we literally. I was just like, should I cover any of this before? I felt so good about that intro. You got kind of quiet as I was doing yeah. it. Now here we um, are. I mean, can we pretend, Maxim? Is there anything you could do as a master of all things sound to make me sound like I did that right, and then? Monty sound yeah. like really happy that I did it right. I mean, one thing, you know, I still, right. I, I I've cut cable, but I still have um, an account, right. I always search CSN Bay area. So it's the same to it me, you know, still pop up and click, I get emails that were emailed to that, but I still end up in my NBC email box. So. Incredible. Okay. Well, let's, but, I mean, let the record also reflect it. So we are not doing the video pod today. So we all have these little tiles. I'm literally looking at Monty's tile and it says NBC sports. I mean, the answer is right fucking in front of me so i mean great how am i doing so far my and in fact i forgot to add espn's foremost authority now that i've immediately established my uh, lack of professionalism how are you man we missed you we're good man we're good we're hanging in there you know these days the bar set pretty low the bar set at survival uh these past couple years or so so uh hey just getting out there and doing what we got to do every day to keep it going 
well, to keep this equal, feel free to call this show anything you want. You know, I mean, and you can call me any name you want. I mean, you don't have to be accurate. That's essentially what I've established so that I can run away from my early mistake here. Let I'll just call push. you T. That's fine. You know, you yeah. can you can call me Maxime from here on out. Man. You know, I, it is what it is. Our first segment is a new one for you, man. It's glass half full, but the idea is real easy. We look back at a recent stretch of Warriors basketball, pull something out that either we liked or didn't, something in between. And I'll go first with kind of a random one to give both of you boys some time to think here. So I could go easy, right? 15 and two, hell of a start. I'm happy about that, but that's not the direction I'm going to go. I could point out Golden State's ability to win games without Steph going nuclear. Uh, They've got 15 wins and 10 of those wins have come with Steph scoring less than 30 points. A thing I'm stealing, by the way, from our Patreon supporter, Matt. Thank you for doing that for me so I didn't have to pick up my own research. But that's also not what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do, Monty. So, really, professional basketball is a television show, right? And the earmark for me, who is addicted to television in a way I don't even want to admit to you guys, a you know the the shining light on all the shows that are pantheon great, like my top four shows of all time, generally speaking, is that even the spot characters are crazy entertaining. You know, not just the main people, but every single member of the show catches my interest when they're in there. That was true for things like Breaking Bad, true for Sopranos, true for like Seinfeld. You know who that's true for, Monty? This Golden State Warriors team. You know, I mean, obviously I love the headliners and can't get enough watching them, but from the final man on the roster up, they have my attention immediately. Gary Payton II, 15th man, love his story, love his pedigree. I love his game. I love his athleticism. Uh, Juan Toscano Anderson, probably the 14th man. I love the background that he's from East Oakland. I love his number. Uh, even Damian Lee, who might be maybe the most boring member of this team. I like watching his struggle with his jump shot and seeing if he can figure it out. I love his family connection to Steph. So very literally, Every member of this team, every corner of its roster gets my attention the second they're on the floor. And that hasn't been true for a little while. So that's what I'm going to say. The the entertaining portion of the Golden State Warriors and the coverage that you've been providing at NBC Sports Bay Area. I got to throw that out there, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's um, it's interesting to watch, you know, going into this season. I thought it would be better than last season because last season was a throw together. Um, you know, there was some internal discussion about whether they should sign Kelly Oubre Jr. And it was decided that they would sign him because I think there was a little bit of a panic move. Uh, you know, oh, God, we lost Clay. What are we going to do? Yeah. Uh, we'll get Oubre. He's a two-way guy. Um, and so he never really fit in with the roster or the chemistry. Um, I mean, he did some good stuff, some not-so-good stuff. It never really fit. This year, the guys they brought in, um, they they all have they all fit something. They fit a role. Yeah. And uh, I think that this team is deeper in shooting than any team they've had since Steve Kerr has been coach. Hmm. Um, you know, again, they don't have the. I mean, when you have Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, and Clay Thompson, it's it should be illegal. I mean, that was. That's ridiculously good. That was absurd. But they have they can go five, six, seven deep with guys who can hit the three ball. And before, you know, your fourth and fifth and sixth three ball shooters were guys like Ian Clark and Quinn right. Cook. Yeah. You know, and now you've got you've got about six or seven guys who you trust 
who you really trust taking a three ball. And you got about three or four more guys who, you know, they can get one in too every now and then. So um, that is, you know, I, I like what you said about the everyone having their own story. I, I believe that having guys on the roster like Juan, like Damian, like GP2, guys who've had to, like, as they say, you know, get it out of the mud. Yeah. Um, had to earn their way to this point. They really relish the opportunity. You see them, they don't have any let up. <laughs> Those guys are trying every millisecond they're on the floor and in practice. And that's energy. You know, even if they're not highly effective every single moment, the energy is contagious. And so when you put that in the mix with guys like Wiggins, Poole, guys who have talent, real talent, and and uh, you see them picking up a little bit. You know what Steph's going to do. You know what Draymond's going to do. So it's a great mix of guys in the chemistry by all accounts. Anybody, anybody that I've talked to, coaches, players, um, they they rave about how good these guys are with each other and uh, how they've all bought into not just the system that the coaches have designed, but also bought into each other. There's a trust factor there that in the NBA cannot be overstated. It's, it's huge. And when you have that, that's when you can get a team that can, in a sense, overachieve because guys trust each other, they buy into each other, and they give to each other, and they make it work. That's, it. that's absolutely right. And, and you can see that just with their actions on the floor, how much they enjoy hanging out with one another. So I, I've, I've got a young kid, um, and I'm now in the portion of my life as a parent, Monty, where I got to go to these birthday parties where I don't know any of the other parents, and I hate it. You know, it's, it's awful. And I, we had one this past Sunday that I was so pissy I had to go to. And then when I showed up, people literally were having such a good time. As I came in, the vibe of the place was so, I don't know, um, party-centric that I kind of changed my attitude. I was like, hey, I, maybe I can enjoy this. Every single time I watch the Warriors play, the thing that that is communicated immediately is how much they enjoy playing with one another and the fun that they are having. You know, and that wasn't true even towards the latter years of the dynastic run. You know, after we had that first year with KD and winning became more businesslike, you didn't feel how much they loved each other, you know, from the other side of the TV screen. You can feel that now. Um, and it speaks to the chemistry that you were just describing. Also, despite that great vibe or vibe at the birthday party, I still hated it for, you know, if, in, case, in case there's any parents out there listening, it, you know, it, it was what it was. Maxime, what stuck out to you recently? Ah, man. I mean, I think, you know, I'm going to sort of weave a lot together and I, I didn't have the chance to, to hop on the pod last week. So this is the first time that I'm sort of uh, speaking my thoughts about, about the Nets game. And, and so it all sort of relates here, right? I think it's summarized by, by Draymond's quote that he gave in the, the post game, right? That he said he found his spark again. You know, I've just kind of found that love again, you know, kind of go through a lot of shit and, you know, the love kind of wanes a little bit. Uh, but I've just found that love and that joy for the game, and I'm just enjoying uh, playing basketball and controlling what I can control. You know, a, a point of emphasis for, for myself this year was simply to control what I can control. Uh, that means on the court. That means with the referees. That means off the floor. Um, that's just a step in my life, and I think it shows on a basketball court. And, and I think for me also, I've been shitty the last couple of years, and – so my kids don't really understand how good I am. And I want them to see how good I am so they'll have an understanding. And so that is motivation for me. Uh, 
Yeah, and I and most importantly, I want to win. Uh, I want to be a defensive player of the year again, and I want to be an all-star again. And, you know, that's that's clearly the result of having intelligent players, right? I think part of what makes Draymond tick is that, you know, he's the engine on, on the defensive end. And I think you see that in, you know, like um, in, in sort of these like moments where there are just these small adjustments that quite frankly, like, I'm too stupid as a basketball mind to understand what's going on, but I like I can see his joy at what just happened um, in the in how he just reacts to the play, right? And I think the sort of the key stat that summarizes all of this for me um, is that third quarter defensive effort against the Nets, where we held them. You know, it was like an an 83 point um, defensive rating, which is just unbelievable and it's because you see these guys adapting constantly right you see the like Jordan Poole maybe he's not quite in defensive position at the beginning of the play but he moves into it right and it's like that's that thing that you said of Damian Lee on the offensive end struggling with his shot but making progress and the same way that you see Jordan Poole you know now he's not just launching the 30 footer he maybe like does a little pump fake takes a little step and then takes it right you see this evolution that indicates intelligence that indicates that there's 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 reason for Draymond to be excited. So my barometer for this season is just how much Draymond is smiling on the court. That makes perfect sense too, because um, you know I think Draymond and he pretty much admitted that, that the last couple of years he couldn't get he couldn't be himself because he knew the games didn't matter as much, and now he know he senses that something is possible this year. And you see it in what he does, what he says. Um, his energy is there. And, and he is dedicated. And plus, you know, he's tired of hearing people say he's washed. <laughs> he's had to hear that for a couple of years now. And honestly, there were times, you know, last couple of years when he thought, eh, you know. But I think most of that was inside. Most of that was Draymond just trying to summon some bit of motivation and not always being able to do so. And now it's like it's coming naturally because he's like, okay, you know what? We got a little something going here. We we can make this thing work if I do my part. And you see him doing it and you see him happy to do it. Uh, It makes a huge difference. I love the idea of getting behind Draymond's basketball intelligence as a reason to be even more optimistic about this team. So, I mean, we all talk about over and over again, we all know that Draymond has a future either in sports media or in the front office because of his read of the game. You know, his basketball IQ is just as powerful probably as some of the smartest minds out there. And what you guys are describing, or at least the way I'm picking it up over the last two years, if we made this a chess analogy, he approached, you know, the board before the game, looked at the two, uh, the, the sets of pieces each team had and realized the Warriors didn't really have a chance to win before the game even started and didn't put out the kind of effort that he normally would because why? He already realized they didn't have a shot. This year, he's viewing that board, sees the kind of talent and uh, culture and the way that this roster fits together. And instead, now he has nothing but optimism. He's putting out that effort he's been you know, known for over the years because he can see a golden ending to this team that wasn't possible over the last couple of years. I like that idea a lot. Well, you know, some of that, too, is, is, know, is him knowing that Clay is going to be back sometime soon. And so I think Tremont think, you know what, if we're good, this good now, wait till they see us with Clay, <laughs> you know, and James, you know, I think that's part of what's driving him too, is that, okay, we're doing pretty good now. We can be better. We can fix this. We can fix that. But 
when when we got Clay and Wiseman, we if we get fully healthy, look out. And I I totally believe that. I mean, my projection for this team uh, back before the season started was 54 wins, and people were like, "Whoa, that's a little high, don't you think? Uh, a little high." And I was like, "I think that if they stay, you know, say four or five games over 500 for the first 25, if they're like 15 and 10." Yep. Um, and, and, and then here comes Clay and here comes James and those guys are starting to fold in. Uh, I said, yeah, I, I think if they can be above 500 uh, going into mid-December, that they have a really good chance to win 54, 50, mid-50s games. And, but I also thought they would been, be like 15 and 10. Well, they're 15 and 2. Right. <laughs> so they are way ahead of the pace that I projected for them. And Honestly, it was partially based on what I thought of the Warriors, but it was also largely based on what I thought was the absurd, um, ridiculous amount of uh, overhype the Lakers got. <laughs> I just I, I looked at that roster and I thought, how is this team being considered the favorite to win the West? <laughs> we got six guys who've been around for 15 years. That doesn't fly in the NBA. You know, who's going to do the shoot? Malik Monk is your shooter? Right. You know? Right. I mean, so I just thought they were – the Raiders – the Raiders. The Warriors were um, underrated. The Lakers were wildly overrated. And I thought the Warriors are going to win more games than the Lakers are. They're a better team. If you're the Warriors fan, you got to worry about Phoenix. And maybe Utah in the regular season. But the postseason, I don't trust Utah. But Phoenix is, I think – is probably going to be the team at the Warriors to get past because I see those two teams as the best two teams. And uh, right now they're pretty close. But again, Clay Wise back, that could change a few things. That's exactly right. So you are the perfect person for today. Um, and you are illustrating that. And I could use this as a transition. First, let me use it as a way to take a shot at Utah. I do not believe in their success at all until they do something during the playoffs. I will not yep. believe in it. I mean, the, I had a friend who went to law school, did phenomenally law school, and then studied for the bar four times and four times she failed that bar. And every single time I talked to her, she was getting ready. She's like, oh, I'm killing the practice test. I'm doing so phenomenally well. Then she would flunk it. The first two times, it's like, oh, she's definitely going to pass. No question. After that, after she kept failing when she actually got to the part that matters, I stopped believing in it. Same thing for Utah until they wow, actually succeed. Wow, <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, like, if, if, if you only succeed when the pressure's not there and then fall apart when it is, the next time you succeed when the pressure's not there, I don't care. You know what I mean? No, like, I, show I me, totally agree. Show I, I don't me when know. you actually get there. Um, but I didn't do this just to take shots at uh, my friend who hopefully didn't listen to that instead. Let me use it as a transition. Man. So we've got another segment called five golden questions. They're all mailed by questions and generally speaking, they're about the Warriors. Sometimes I get a little bit personal. Here's why you're perfect for today. So as you can imagine, Warrior fans are crazy optimistic and I am heading that charge in a Homer way. You know, I, I'm, none of my takes are objective. I see something and I immediately fly off the handle with optimism. The upside here is that, you know, you, you can give us sage advice. You're the foremost authority on Warriors basketball. You have been watching this stuff, you know, outplay. Exaggerating. So, Wild exaggeration, buddy. Foremost authority. I owe you at least that after the whole CSN thing, man. So I, I will keep doing that. But what we have here, I mean, I'll, I'll warn you. 
we have a bunch of hyperbolic questions, essentially. And they're trying to test if, is it time to be crazy optimistic? Or are we going a little bit too far, too fast? Here's our first quote. Is it too early to be very excited for Jonathan Kaminga? So I agree with this guy. You know, let me give you an example of how hyperbolically optimistic I've become. We entered this year, Mate, and I thought, you know, we're not going to see anything of Kaminga. He's going to be in the G League. And now 17 games in, I am crazy fired up. I feel like he's the most physically gifted athlete Golden State's had since like Wilt Chamberlain. Um, I loved that even though everybody was saying the Warriors would not be able to develop him this year, we've already seen development after 17 games. And the thing I love the most is that he's already bought into Golden State's culture, at least from what I can tell. You know, rewind the clock to when he was in summer league, and we were all excited then. But he was really flashy. You know, what was the go-to play? He he runs down the uh, middle of the key, hammers one home, and then winks into the camera. And everyone's screaming, you know, he's he's a star in the making. Well, that kind of star-making attitude wouldn't really sell with this team right now. And he's not doing that stuff now. When he's on the floor now, he's very clearly bought into a system. He's very clearly listened to a coaching staff and a veteran-laden roster that said, you know, we don't need you to run the offense. What we need you to do is give us six minutes of hard defense, get a rebound when we really want it. So, I mean, put differently, a person whose heart was the reason he slipped to number seven is now showing he's bought all the way in, you know, and I think he has a really bright future. But let's rewind it all the way to the first question. Monty, am I being ridiculous? Is it too early to be very excited for Jonathan Kaminga? Um, I I need to see more. You know, I I mean, it's one. It's very encouraging, I'd say, to see that you know some of the things that he was doing in summer league. You're right. Some of the bad habits that you you saw early. You know, going ahead and committing two fouls in ten seconds and that kind of thing. Yep. Um, there's growth. You see in growth. Um. I think there's encouraging signs. Um, exciting, I, I'm not there yet. You know, uh, I see potential, but I, I can't I can't get a gauge on how badly he wants to be great. Hmm. And to me, that's that's the uh, the X factor. You know, if if he wants to be great, and I mean a great basketball player, I don't mean a great celebrity. I mean a great basketball player. If he wants to make the most of his God-given gifts. And, and really work at his craft, um, that's when I think, okay, this guy really, like Giannis. Giannis came into the league, he was pretty raw. Yep. People were like, hey, he's skinny, he's tall, he's long, but, you know, how badly does he want it? Well, I think we now know how badly Giannis wants it. <laughs> so um, that's the part that I, I can't get a handle on just yet. And maybe it's because there's a disconnect in the sense that we don't get to be around the players like we did before. You know, you, you, you don't hang out with them. You don't sit around and, and joke with them after practice. You don't get a feel for them. It's all through Zoom or through, you know, managed press conferences for the most part. So it's hard to get a feel. The feedback that I've gotten, though, is that, yeah, he's got a world of potential, but he's very quiet, almost introspective. And so on the one hand, they like what he might be. But on the other hand, from what I'm hearing, there is still some – reservation about him as a person and how badly he wants to be to be great uh you know and it's always there's always though the the, the fact that well you know he is 19 so you got to cut him a little break there you know he's got to do young kid things sometimes 
And so I guess that is the part you look at and go, well, if, if there's some things you don't understand right now, maybe it's because he's 19 and maybe you'll see it better when he's 22. And that's why, yeah, be excited. Sure. Because you see the potential there, but for me to say, Whoa, this guy's going to be the next big thing. I'm not there yet. It's way too soon for me for, to go that far. You haven't commissioned a statue for him outside of Chase Center quite yet? <laughs> no, 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 no. Unlike no. me, maybe I'm taking this a little bit too far. Maxime. Not, uh, not, but he ain't one of them. <laughs> help, help me here. Tell Monty he's wrong. Why are you fired up? Hopefully you're fired up about JK. Well, I don't, I don't want to tell Monty he's wrong because I just heard that his ceiling is Giannis. So here we go. <laughs> there you go. In fact, yeah. Uh, There's some similarities there. But, but again, with Giannis, you, he, he showed you how much he has shown how much he wants to be great. And, and, and I think when listening to Joe Lake talk about Kaminga um, before the draft and after the draft, you know, he kept bringing up that he plays with such force, you know, he does this. And I thought he sees the possibility of another Giannis because that's Giannis. Mm-hmm. I mean, Giannis plays with force. Yeah, right. you know, his skills are still, I and mean, he's still not a great shooter. There are still some holes in his game here and there, but there is no mistaking how badly Giannis wants to beat your butt. And with Jonathan, it's just, it's too soon to know how badly he wants to crush you. Um, and, and that's the part I think people want to kind of get a handle on. And for me, that's what I need to see before I go, okay, this kid's going to be fine. Right now, I think he has a chance to be fine. Well, so oh, this is exactly why I, you know, appreciate that that you're joining us on the pod because I think we, as as fans, maybe need to temper our optimism a little bit. You know, I I, I think I, not to make a joke out of Bram's question to me there, right? I I do feel like if there's any team to find the upside in a player that is only 19 and is raw and has maybe not come out of his shell yet. You know, it's the Golden State Warriors because we're seeing year three of Jordan Poole showing a tremendous amount of success. And we're hearing that that's because we have the Andre Iguodala's, the Steph Curry's, the Draymond Green's, the Sean Livingston's in the front office, right? Proven veterans showing these young guys what it means to win consistently, the type of work that you need to put in. So certainly there's there's a chance that, that he doesn't make it um, to the sort of levels of the upper echelon that, you know, we think are possible, that we hope for. But at the same time, there's reason for optimism that this is the squad that will help him get there. All I I hope, I'm in line with that. Yes. I hope that there's an aggregated title, like after this podcast comes out and somebody hears it, that they aggregate this and say, CSN's Monty Poole loves Kaminga, <laughs> says he will be the next Giannis. I mean, we'll see. You know, there's no promises out there, but we'll see how well Maxime is able to, to edit this. All right. Help hedge another level of optimism. And you've already kind of mentioned, but when we talk about the Warriors' success, the exclamation point we always add, and Clay's coming, Clay's coming, everybody, and they're right, and we should be saying that. But Clay's only one of two players who are uh, re entering the fold, right? We got James Wiseman on the periphery as well, and hopefully we'll be coming back right around the same time, which leads to this next question quote, Will James Wiseman make this team better this year? What do you think, man? I think he has it. Yeah, I think he will because um, I, I love Looney, but but he's not cut to play 80 games in you know 25 minutes a night. Yeah. Um, you need somebody else that can absorb some of those minutes, and Wiseman is is a good fit for that because of his his mass. I mean, he's seven one. Uh, he's got the nine foot standing <laughs> reach. Um, he's just physically he's tremendous and. 
you know, last year as a rookie, I thought that you could see that he was a teenager still. You know, he was a little skinny, and I, I've seen his physique, and it's more developed now. He looks more mature. You know, I don't know how much weight he has gained, but I can tell he has gained some, and it looks like it's in the right places. Um, so I think he can help this team this year because he provides – Yes, come on. Now, GP2 right now is their vertical spacer. Right. <laughs> He's their lob threat. At six, six three, yeah, right, two or three or whatever he is, he's their lob threat. James Wiseman is a lob threat the minute he gets on the floor, and that's the part that they don't have right now. They don't have that yeah. monster lob threat, and that's a component. Javale McGee became a cult figure because of that. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are people who swore up and down that the Warriors could not lose Javale and be good. They have to keep Javale. Um, and I, you know, Jabelle had, he served a purpose. James can serve that purpose. And I think James has more upside. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I think he can help this team this year. I do believe that. I think you hit the nail right on the head. Um, and the Javel McGee thing is what underlines why I think he can help this year. So last year, what they couldn't provide him was a defined role. You know, and there wasn't a whole lot of defined roles on the team. They, they, the roster didn't really match the way that we wanted to. There wasn't a picture that they wanted all the puzzle pieces to connect to, you know, to combine for. And now this year, that's different. Everybody has a role. Everybody has a defined piece. We just talked about Kavan Rulunu. We know exactly what we want out of him. So if they can really minimize what they want out of Wiseman, you know, we don't need the 20 footers. We don't need you bringing the ball up. You don't need to show that unbelievable athleticism, you know, over 90 feet. Instead, we will set you up with easy finishes, you know, protect the rim, get easy rebounds, finish the, the dunks that Steph provides you. And I think with that kind of direction and a reduced expectation, he could be in a position where he could really help us. I mean, he's going to add immediate athleticism the second he comes on the floor. And if they can weaponize that, yeah, man, he's going to play a role. They don't have anybody else that, that can play that role currently. Yeah, you've got, again, in, in the West, man, you've got Gobert, you've got Jokic, you've got Aiden, you've got guys that, I mean, frankly, Kaban Lee's going to have hell trying to guard. Yep. And yep. That's right. And Wiseman simply on physicality is a better matchup. And so, um, and, and those are three guys that are playing on, you know, playoff teams. And, and I, I just mentioned, so, um, and even when you play a team like a Dallas, you know, Wiseman can match up with Porzingis any day of the week. That's right. Um, and so I just, I, yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, he's going to help him this year. And, and, and I don't have any doubt that if he's healthy, he will help him this year. Here's a couple of personal questions. This one's from me, but let me set it up. So I've, I've asked this to a few people, but I've now realized I should have saved this question in pocket and should have uh, thrown it by you. First, a quote. So I stalked you in preparation oh, for you're today. You're scaring me now. You're scaring me. Here is a 2013 uh, article you wrote. Is one uh -oh. of the last. In fact, I believe it was your last column for the Bay Area News Group. Quote. This is my last column in these newspapers. I've accepted a position with Comcast Sportsnet commencing next week. It was, for many professional reasons, an easy decision. For many personal reasons, it was a terribly difficult call. There is, you see, a part of me so devoted to Oakland and the East Bay, where I grew up and still live, that surrendering this space feels somehow negligent. More like abandonment, actually. There are, after all, some massive battles to come, certainly in Oakland with its embattled sports teams, the A's and Raiders, and suddenly gold-dusted warriors. So there's our backdrop. 
what stuck out to me, man, born and raised in Oakland, you love the town. I can associate with that immediately, which leads to this. Monte, I'm all screwed up with them leaving us, man. All these teams on their way out. You know, we've, we've already lost the Raiders. It looks like the A's have one and a half feet out the door. And I'm not sure what to do with the Warriors playing in San Francisco. So I've asked this to other people, but nobody with your Oakland entrenchment, for lack of a better phrase. How are you dealing with this shit, man? Are, are, you, are you still rooting for the Raiders? Did it hurt you that the Warriors went to San Francisco? Give me some sage advice in this area, too, because I, I don't know what to do with it as an Oakland, you know, it's born and raised here, and now I'm seemingly losing all my teams. As a sage, as far as sage advice or sage wisdom, I don't know if I have that, but uh, I, I, I grew up a Raiders fan, A's fan, Warriors, I wasn't, a, I really wasn't much of a Warriors fan. I followed the Warriors. I like certain players, but, you know, I will say this and, you know, it, it, it was true. I, I was a Laker fan. Um, I was a huge Magic Johnson fan, huge Magic Johnson fan. That was my guy. Um, watching him, you know, that was my guy. Yeah. And so um, for me, I'll go one at a time with the Warriors moving to San Francisco. It stings, but not that much, not as much as uh, it does for other people. And for me, it's because I know where they started. They came to San Francisco first. Yeah. That's where they were. And why did they come to Oakland? Because they had a better arena. The cow palace wasn't cutting it. Right. <laughs> so and they literally they couldn't even host them during a finals, right? I mean, like they had a finals out there and they had to come to Oakland even when they were still playing in SF. So, yeah. yeah. I, yeah it, you're it, right. you know, the, the, they came to Oakland because there was a better arena there. And, you know, it bothered me that they didn't change the name of the team. You know, that it was the Golden State Warriors, not the oh, Oakland. Of course. <laughs> absolutely right. Oakland didn't yeah. appear until they moved to San Francisco when they needed to yeah. sell some jerseys, man. Yeah, that, that bothered me. Now, that bothered me. But moving back to San Francisco, which is what they did, they moved back to San Francisco. It doesn't bother me that much. Now, I will tell you, though, that that it's there's a part of me that really feels bad for, um, for when I watch things at Chase Center versus the way they would be at Oracle. Yeah, it's different. It's very different. And it may be loud. They built it so they can have the great acoustics and all, but it's a it's a bad look when you have that the, that band of seats that go almost empty after halftime. Completely empty. Absolutely. You know, right. there's a, a few stragglers here and there. You know, you go down there and you see in a section there might be seven people in the whole section. You know, that's a bad look, and that would never happen at Oracle no. Arena. You're right. Never. You're absolutely right. But they go down to the little bunkers and they with their butlers and their wine lists right. and their green TV <laughs> and help them and they don't come back. They get so, lost in the maze of luxury. I mean, you're hundred yeah. percent right. So when somebody asks me how is Chase Center nice, I go, yeah, a little too nice, you know. <laughs> so so, but yeah, they they move back. To, they move back. So that doesn't the move itself doesn't really get under my skin. Uh, the Raiders, that does. A little does a little bit more, and, and I understand why they did it. Um, it hurt the first time because I was a real fan then. You know, I was a I grew up here, and I was a huge fan of the Raiders back sure. then. And when they came back, I was in the business. When they left the first time, I was still, I was in school. I wasn't you know I was I was trying to get finished 
school. And so when they come back, you know, I'm 10 years out of school. I graduated 85 and it's 95 when they come back and I'm writing columns for the Oakland Tribune and I'm talking to Al Davis one-on-one and, and I'm all over the story before they come back. And there was a sense of, I mean, I, I enjoyed being a part of the story and I enjoyed the fact that the Raiders are back where they belong because they were born in Oakland. Yeah. That's where they were born. And when, when Mark decided to move them, um, you know, and I talked to Mark, um, Al became, he, he grew to a point where he detested me, tried to get me fired. He three times. Um, That's a testament. But Mark, yeah. But Mark has mended fences, you know, I mean, Mark invited <laughs> Mark invited Marcus Allen <laughs> to to light the torch, you know. Yeah, right. And Al, and Al would never never do. <laughs> so, and, and Mark and I, you know, we 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 get along fine. I talked to, I've talked to him a couple of times in the last couple of months here while the Rays going through all this Gruden stuff. Um, I get why he did it. I hate that he did it. Yeah. Our final question, um, and one whose answer I'm kind of worried about. So it's a simple one. Are the Warriors the title favorites right now? I can give you Vegas's thoughts, right? Here are the, uh, the odds according to the odds makers. Brooklyn is still our current favorite at plus 260. So if I bet 100, I'd win 260. Golden State is second at 6-1. to one. I bet 100, I win 600. Milwaukee is third down there, 7-1. to one. And then the Lakers, um, apparently Vegas thinks they'll get their hands on a time machine and be able to bring everybody back to their productive legs are at 9-1. Wow. to one. So for you, you hear these odds. Let's say you had a number that was important to you, mortgage payment, car payment, something. You had to bet it on one of these uh, four teams. Actually, no, on any team, who would you bet it on? Who do you consider the title favorite as we sit here right now? As much as I don't want to be labeled a homer, um, you know, I, I would bet the Warriors right now. Let's go. And, and, well, first of all, Brooklyn is such a – I mean, I, without Kyrie, I don't see Brooklyn doing it. I just right. don't. Yep. You know, I mean, if Kyrie's there, okay, then we got a different ball game, and, and we can talk about that at that time. But he may not be there at all this year. People are saying, you know what, he may just stick to his guns. And so far, there's been no indication he won't. Um the Lakers, no. The Bucks. I the thing about the Bucks is that it's hard to go back to back. It really, it's really hard, and they've had so many injuries so far this season. So you don't know what they look like just yet. Um, but the Warriors, I think they they're one team. They're gonna get better. They're going to get better, and they're already the best team in the league right now. So um, I would put Phoenix ahead of LA. Yeah, I would put Milwaukee ahead of LA, which. You know, I think they are. They should be. Um, I think L.A. is like the eighth team to get to the finals. I think they're that far behind. So, yeah, uh, to answer your question, if I had to bet it, I bet it on the Warriors and uh, based on just what I've seen so far and what I think is going to come. Love that response. I'll, I'll tackle it backwards. Let me start with the Kyrie thing. If you had to handpick any player in the history of the game, who you knew for sure, if they decided to draw a line and they're like, no, I'm staying on this side of the line and you were going to bet that they were never going to cross it. Kyrie's that guy. 
You know, like there's like, I, I'm <laughs> yeah, willing to yeah. bet any amount of money that if it's yeah. either he or the city of New York that needs to bend, it will be the city of New York. And I don't think either yeah. of them are going to bend. Um, yeah. I'm also afraid of Milwaukee. I, the, the fact that they haven't been full strength yet, you know, and we don't really know who they could be. There's a reason to think that they could kind of spring up. And then the Phoenix thing, I thought Sarver would take them down. And instead it looks like it's really joined them. You know, the, what we will see, we'll yeah. see it's pretty early, but if they have kind of garnered around this tragedy and are, are getting pushed forward by it, that could be an issue, but still Monty, if I had to bet it's golden state and not to say that they're guaranteed, you know, there, there's a lot of bridges that need to be crossed, right? They're already 15 to two. And we've identified two reasons why they're going to jump a couple of levels. We know who the hell clay is. We know who Wiseman could become. So I am on board for this. Uh, so much so that I'm going to, I'm going to quickly change the topic. So you can't change your mind. Here's my last question for you before I get you out of here. And it's, this is a, another golden question. What player's success has annoyed you the most over the years? So not warriors opposing players. And I'm not sure you strike me as someone who's really healthy, who like, who doesn't enjoy other people's, you know, failures, who doesn't get annoyed at other people's right. success. I am. I mean, you could tell I'm the type of sick bastard who would really get. So I've got a lot of people here. like Mark Madsen used to crazy or used to drive me crazy. Chris Humphreys. I didn't like his face when he won. Harden is probably the guy now who drives me the most crazy. Is there anybody? Is there anybody who fits this for you? Are you really just too healthy and you're just happy for everybody else? Well, nobody drives me crazy, but there are guys that I don't enjoy watching. Right, there you go. And Harden was that guy. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, I, when you mention him, it's like he's the first guy that comes to mind. <laughs> um, I, 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 the other guy that I like what he can do, but I'm not in, I've never been in love with him is Carmelo. Oh, sure. I mean, he can score, but he's never made his teams better. Never been that guy, right. you know. Yeah. And so um, I have a cousin who loves Carmelo, and we argue about this all the time. I said, you know, he's a great player. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame, but I, I don't love him. I don't love him like that, you know. So, yeah, I would say Harden is that guy. Um, I can see you but, being really good at the needling question. The How many championships has Carmelo won? I mean, just like those kind of – I forget. I forget. Has he helped anybody get over the hump or <laughs> – if you're that good, you should be able to make that kind of an impact. And he has not done it. Um, uh, and honestly, you know, the new guy that bothers me is Ben Simmons. Oh, because of recent activities? Because he's yes. literally refusing to play basketball? <laughs> yes. I mean, dude, what are you doing? With all your talent, I know you can't shoot, but you got everything else going. And you got this, is your heart that small? You know, and that's the part that, yeah, I, so... Those those two guys come to mind. Like, there are guys that I love to watch, but I mean John Morant, uh, love watching him. The guy that I love to watch is CJ McCollum. Mm. Uh, Dame gets all the love, but watch CJ play, man. That dude, I love his footwork, his handle, the way he just puts people in a mixer and, and gets his shot up like that. Um, I love watching him play. But hey, guys, Harden's the closest one. Ben Simmons is a close second right now, though. Credit to you that you were able to make that a positive question that you gave me a couple of people who you actually liked. I'm, I'm over yeah. here. I welcome you into the dark side. And even then, <laughs> despite my nasty influence, I couldn't get you there much. I, I really appreciate you, man. Um, yes, sir. Man. Sure that I'm not the only one who needs way more pool in their life for those out there who need more of your opinions, your takes the whole nine yards. 
not CSN. Where do they turn? <laughs> NBC Sports Bay Area. Absolutely right. Um, for us, you want to reach out to us, know we did a good job, bad job, any job. Best place to reach us is our email, uh, where's huddle at uh, huddle.com, or our social media presence is only Twitter, where we are at where's huddle. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you next week. Good, good. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.